All right, not exactly movie-related and maybe only vaguely horror, but we have seen some gameplay footage and more shit from Death Stranding 2, which is something oh, we yes. have discussed a little bit on the podcast. Uh, what, are, what are your initial thoughts on what you've seen so far? Well, first off, I am crushed. We are not going to get our returning champion director back. I know, uh, yeah. But we get a... Th- I don't want to say even better, but like an equally great director doing a body scan. Oh, yeah. Um, not doing the voice as well, but, you know, that's that's cool. I don't think Guillermo didn't do the voice for the other characters, so, you know. No, he did not. Yeah. Uh, but still, you know, you want to see Dead Man. Dead Man was great. He was awesome. I really loved yeah. him. Um, I I loved the Leia Sidhu glove. Yeah. Hand glove things. That was bizarre. I love that, like, just visual and I'm intrigued. I guess we're going to Mexico. Seems like that's it. what it seems like. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I I'm, love I'm it down so with much. that. Um, yeah. yeah, you're talking about George Miller being in it, which is fucking awesome. Uh, he he refer on on Twitter. Anytime he talks about George Miller, he usually says George the God Miller is how he refers to him. Like that's how Kojima much, specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how much okay. he loves okay. George Miller. So like. I can only imagine his excitement and his agreement to be in it. Uh, he also said about that. He was talking about the hands thing. He said it came from an idea he had when he was like, he was looking for a, he was like carrying luggage or something. He's like, I guess this happens to him a lot where he's carrying luggage like from the airport or something. And he wants to give a thumbs up to people who like recognize <laughs> him and he can't do it with his okay. hands full. So he wished he had right. extra hands to give thumbs up while he was like doing other stuff. That's um, fun. Yes. I, I love. I it. was gonna suspect like he wants to, you know, ash his cigarette and then <laughs> he doesn't. Walking. So he doesn't smoke. And there's a great photo someone posted of like uh, while they were shooting the first game, Mads Mikkelsen and Norman Reedus are outside smoking together, talking, <laughs> and he's next to them like pretending to smoke with no cigarette. <laughs> so he loves the visuals of smoking. But I don't. It seems like he doesn't smoke himself. So mm, I mean, Metal Gear Solid what a Charmer. <laughs> yeah, Metal Gear Solid Four had an anti-smoking PSA built into the game. You know, where it would tell you, like, don't smoke. It's hard, you know, harms your health. I've never played any of those, so this was my first Kojima oh, game. Wow. The the first Death Stranding, yeah. Okay, so... And b- bizarrely loved it. Yeah, actually, all the games kind of have an anti-smoking thing, because you can smoke in the games, but it hurts you, like, as you do it. Uh, sure. Metagru Solid 4, a lot of people had a complaint, because the loading screens, which were kind of long for the time, it was PS3, the loading screen is just snakes smoking a cigarette that's the entire loading screen at the bottom it has the health warning but so many people said like this reactivated my my need for cigarette just watching him it's smoke cool and in, in, like, it, close it up looks detail. fucking awesome yeah. i had this yeah. argument with an ex a long time ago and i'm like look i don't do it anymore but it's it's cool to it smoke. is it's cool man it's cool i agree with the doughboys cigarettes are back i think you know <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Death Stranding 2, man, I, I'm excited. All the stupid little creepy living puppet thing is such a dumb, mm-hmm. fun idea. Like Using a guitar as a weapon. Oh, yeah, which apparently is based off the crow, someone was telling me. Like, the entire look of that character okay. and the guitar thing. I can see that, yeah. Yeah, which is which is great. I love it, man. Uh, like his... I just, I'm sad I have to wait till 2025 to play it. I know! It. God, when that came up as the date, I was like, fuck. Like, that's, that's too far away. Uh... But yeah, I, I, I'm very excited. I was just going to say, I, I finally saw the first Omen trailer, and I don't know. I'll see it. 
I did not know there was a trailer for that out. I'll have to watch that. Yeah. 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 Damn. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be bad, right? It's a legacy sequel to The Omen, or legacy prequel to The Omen. Like, what are I the mean, odds I this will be gives good? some sort of hope out there that, that they will do a good job at this. They didn't put it out in January, so, you know, hopefully there's that's, that's better fair. than Night Swim. That's fair. You know? That's fair. We're getting April, May. There's also the <laughs> uh, Sydney Sweeney Nun movie that's going to be coming out. I don't uh, know if you've heard of that one. This is maybe the biggest disconnect I had with modern audiences is that, like, I mean, okay, yeah, she's a pretty actress, but it's like, I kind of... It's all it takes, baby. I kind of, like, I don't know. I have a weird reaction to her, just like of, like, not caring so much that it makes me mad. You know what I mean? Because, like, she's in all these things, and maybe I haven't... Do you feel left out? No, I don't is know. Is that it's what it like... is? <laughs> is pop culture passing you by? I mean, that's part of it. On the Sydney Sweeney train? I guess so. All aboard. Boop, boop. Oh, my God. I haven't watched... So you're going to see Madam Web, then? Is that... Oh, of course. Oh, baby. <laughs> I'm, asking the I mean, wrong... I I'm, r- I'm asking the wrong person. Yeah. <laughs> I... I'm trying to see all of the new movies like Thursday night first viewing because I'm right by the Regal. I yeah. might as well. Yeah. I can't wait to see Madam Web. Ugh. Um, and it's gonna be horrible. If I had the work schedule to support it, it'd be the same thing, man. Uh, actually, I, I there is maybe a chance I'll see a lot more new stuff now because of a thing I'm doing recently. I'll talk about recommendations. Uh, let's launch into it, man. Let's let's start this yep. podcast. We have a lot of places to go this episode. <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. Uh, hello and welcome to The Weekly Podcast Massacre. My name is Grand uh, Magician Greg. I, I, every time I almost do it, I must say the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see it. From the, you magical, have to stop yourself. <laughs> from the magical city of Los Angeles. And with me, as always, is my co host. Hello, my name is Michael from Portland. Everyone calls me Murphy. Yeah, and the Weekly Podcast Massacre is a podcast where every single month we take on a new theme, a new subgenre of horror, and uh, this month, magic is in the air. All February long, we're talking about horror movies that deal with the dark arts. And uh, like I said at the end of last episode, this month so far has been very focused on like a sort of like, you know, Western view of magic, right? Uh, both of them kind of H.P. Lovecraft inspired, both Hellboy and True. Spider Knight in a way. A lot of like co- ancient cosmic energies and things like that. Uh, and so for this month, I wanted to branch out and uh, move in a different direction and talk about something from the East. Uh, you know, from uh, from good old Hong Kong. And uh, this is all the, cul- the culmination of a long-running like series of, of uh, talks I've had on this podcast about the Shaw Brothers Studio, and the Shaw Scope collections that I have purchased. And so for this week, I want to talk about The Boxer's Omen from 1983. That's it, yes. Three is what I saw when I uh, viewed this on YouTube. Yeah, 1983. That was the way I got to watch it, yeah. Directed by, um, I believe, if you're pronouncing it the way it should be pronounced in Cantonese, it's Kui Shi Hong, I think. Uh, you see it as Chi Hong Kui, but that's the Americanized version where you reverse the names. And it's kind of like Japanese where the family name comes first and then the individual name. Sure. So, anyway, um, Kui Chi Hung, the director, uh, he is a wild man, apparently, from everything I've learned about him from watching all the special features on my Blu-ray. Um, but it was uh, written by him and On Zetso. Uh, I do not, Zetto, sorry, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that 
correctly at all. And uh, it stars. I don't think we're going to get any of the names <laughs> yeah. correct. So you know, blanket apology from here there's on a, out. There's a few that are are have been presented as Americanized, and so it's not too bad. So like Philip Ko is our star as Chan Hung, Elvis Sui, Shui, I think maybe Shui as Abbot Ching Chu, uh, Wang Lung Wei as Chan Wing, Bolo Young as Bu Bo. Maybe the only person a Western movie watcher would recognize. See, that's funny, because on my subtitles, it was Babo yeah, instead see, of Bubo. So it's that thing of, like I said, sometimes things are reversed for American yeah. eyes. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, Bolo Young, uh, character actor from the 70s and 80s, he's an Enter the Dragon and uh, Bloodsport, which is why a Western movie watcher may recognize him. But he's also... He did look familiar. He's yeah. a super jacked bodybuilder uh, rival Thai boxer, yeah. Uh, Sam Jai Boon Song as the other abbot, and then uh, <laughs> Rolando San Juan as Magician A, who I can only assume is like the guy that resurrects the bat, but I, I have no idea. None of okay. the, none of the like, wizards or magicians are named in this. Our main bad guy, kind of, who yes. initially fights. I think so. Yeah, the master, okay. the master of the random black magic practitioner that the abbot decides he needs to turn into a bat i don't know pretty cool <laughs> we'll talk about it we'll get into it some yeah. more uh but that's our that's our cast um and we'll i'll get more into like the history of this movie and, and a little bit of shop brothers info a little bit later before we do that i want to talk about some recommendations some non-horror things that we've been watching reading listening to taking in murph i know you got a couple as well as an anti-recommendation if you want oh, to speak on it do i um we just had Groundhog's Day, so I rewatched yeah. Groundhog's Day. Hell Still, yeah. maybe perfect movie. Uh, Harold Ramis is a genius. Him and Bill Murray worked so well together. It is such an unfortunate set of circumstances that we never got Ghostbusters three. Yeah, mainly because of this movie, but it's it's still a fun ride. Uh, even Andy McDowell, I don't really love. I think she does a really good job in this movie. Yeah, uh, they have good chemistry. Been watching a lot more Lost. Uh, got through season two. Still great. Uh, oh, we've had a couple more returning champions. Of course. Uh, Mr. Kevin Dunn. Oh, Do you remember Kevin the movie Dunn. that we watched with him? Yeah. Uh, what is the name of that movie? Uh, Sir of Echoes, right? Yep, you yeah. got it. It took me a minute. I was like, what have we watched with him? And then, yeah. I was called I a Frailty, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Frailty and Sir of Echoes. Could we, could we, you could switch the titles of those, and I think it would still work either one. You know, and then uh, Lil Dean Norris showed oh. up, <laughs> uh, you know, from the cell. <laughs> oh, Lil Dean Norris! Oh, and when we talked about it originally, we, we completely forgot that Matthew Fox was in My Boyfriend's Back. Yes, so, of course. Oh, yeah, just amazing. When they talked about My Boyfriend's Back a little bit on the Philip Seymour Hoffman draft, I was hoping they would mention Matthew Fox as well, but you know. You so never. oh they so they did so they did discuss my boyfriend's back on there. I still haven't listened Briefly, to it. Briefly. It was more like uh have you seen this? I saw this because I'm a little older than you and yeah. we're moving on very quickly. <laughs> uh and then I went to see Argyle on Thursday night. I made the horrible choice to actually pay money oh my to God. go and see the IMAX version. Oh no. And uh, it's a bizarre, dizzying mess. Yeah. I enjoy certain aspects of it. It is an underbaked 
concept to the big to begin with. They really needed like five more drafts of whatever script they were going off of. Sam Rockwell's pretty charming. I, I mean, mean that's, that's he hard always to deny. Is. Yeah, it really like comes through the screen in this. Henry Cavill. He's, I don't know. I think he can pull it off as well. They're doing really good jobs with what they're being handed. I don't know who decided Bryce Dallas Howard could run this movie, but it does not work at all. Unfortunately. uh, Something very funny that people pointed out is that in like the press release from three years ago, where it was announced that Matthew Vaughn was going to direct this movie, they spoiled a twist in like the press release. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, I, I'm hesitant to say what it said because there's people listening that might actually give a shit about who the real Agent I'll, Argyle I'll is. I'll put a note note in the 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 liner notes, so check those if you want non Argyle yes. spoilers. Skip ahead like now. yeah, skip ahead like thirty seconds. In the press release, it says Matthew Vaughn to, dispe- to to direct a spy thriller where a novelist with amnesia finds out she's a super spy. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. And the trailers are yeah. like, who is Argyle? Who is it? And it's yeah. like the press spoiled it three years ago. I uh, do love that the a lot of the marketing is like, don't let the cat out of the bag. So I know. people were up. <laughs> that's what I assumed. The I was cat's like, Argyle. I was like, is the, that's exactly what I was thinking from all the trailers. From the one trailer that's played before every single movie for the past like seven it, months. Continuously. They needed, They. Uh, I mean, marketing is being done so poorly nowadays. Like, yeah. I, I don't know who or what they are paying, but Look, they are overpaying. If I were to ever launch a spinoff podcast, which is a lot of work, and I don't know if I'll ever do it, um, <laughs> but I would do a podcast all about the rise and fall of movie trailers. Like, how good they used to be, or, you know, just, like, when they got really good versus, like, how they ended up where they are today. And I would try to dive in deep into the industry and see, like, where exactly did That's they go wrong? That's not a bad idea. You know, where did kind they go wrong? Like, yeah. We'll, we'll watch modern ones. We'll go back like decade yeah. after decade trying to find a similar time frame of when they're coming out. Right. And how they're being presented. That's my, That was my thought, Ugh. too, is that you would, you would pair a modern trailer with a, with a older trailer and, like, you know, compare contrasts. Yeah, exactly. Um, who knows? No one steal that idea. Yeah, pl- no one steal that. All, we, all ever... we need is a producer. <laughs> yeah, if I ever get off my ass and learn how to, like, audio edit i could take the load off of you and you know um uh and do this but who knows we'll see uh but man yeah i was seeing things like with argyle it's like not only is it like the worst movie i've seen in this decade but it's maybe the worst movie i've ever seen it was a review i read earlier i it's not the worst movie i've ever seen yeah that's a that's a that's a low bar to to clear for sure yeah because you know we've watched some trash when it comes to like our discord and those old days of like actually what was what was the title it was like trash tuesday or uh worst wednesdays yeah worst wednesdays was it yeah and we there were there was some real they dug up some some horrendous shit yeah anything from the the studio uncorked yeah uncorked so that is one of the things when i'm rating movies i'm i'm really trying to think of like is is a star too much? Yeah, because I've seen some real one stars out like, there. Pet graveyard exists from Uncorked Entertainment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Bone jangles. Bone jangles. I don't know if you remember oh my, that. Oh, one. I remember bone jangles. You, yeah, of course I remember bone jangles. Metal face. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, unfortunately, Samuel Jackson is. 
I, I don't know how much he got paid, but there are some really bad line readings he, in this movie. He needs and it's to... mainly him just reacting to a download screen. I, I love Samuel Jackson so much. He needs to like be in good movies again. Like it's it's really it's really disappointing the stuff he's like been doing the past couple of years, honestly. Like two Hitman's bodyguard movies, like come on, Sam. Like, How please. many beach homes do you need? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know you got locked into the Marvel stuff, which is like, you know, it happens to the best of them. You know, so you had to do like Secret Invasion and shit. But like, give us like another, like the negotiator even. You know what I mean? Like, where's like, because it was that Call level up of... Spacey. Let's get him back. Yeah. Let's, let's do <laughs> Negotiator 2. Yeah. You got to negotiate your way out of this fucking Marvel contract. Ugh. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say negotiate out of your legal troubles. Yeah, that too. Yeah, whatever is keeping you, from, you know, in these stupid movies for sure. Um, man, well, yeah, I doubt I'll ever watch Argyle. Like, I'm just I'm trying to be more selective with what I watch sometimes these days. But like, um, you know, especially when I go to theaters, it's two. To see. It's two hours and nineteen minutes too. Oh, it's like it's the worst so run, long. The worst it doesn't run need time. to be that way. That is the he worst also, run like, time. <laughs> the the songs that he chooses, I'm sure he's, like, trying to pick deep to, the like, oh, no one will expect this song. But I'm like, I've never fucking heard of this song. Oh, like, that was to at least, thing. like, get something that we can associate with. Yeah. That was another thing I was reading about this movie is that apparently there's a part where, like, they played the song uh, Now and Then, like, the last Beatles song. And, like, fucking Sam Rockwell is like, oh, this was our song. That song was only released in, like, October of last year. Yeah. Like, it came it, out insane. after the first trailers for Argyle started coming out. So it's very obvious that they just substituted in that song, like, maybe a week before this movie was released. And when they shot it, Sam Runkle had no idea what song he was actually hearing. Should have been Ballroom Blitz. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. A classic, you know? You can never go wrong with that. Yeah. Um, for my recommendations... Uh, I recently started a new exciting endeavor of uh, volunteering at a local video store slash theater out here in L.A. And so I fulfilled my dream of, of you know, not working for money, but working in a video store where I was yeah. organizing movies, uh, you know, scanning people out, you know, uh, taking in whatever. Doing all these, all these great things. All the great things you do in a video rental store. It was a lot of fun. And I actually even got to, like, design my own shelf of movies to pair with the birds um which okay was, which was a, a real a real hoot pun intended um <laughs> but anyway this also uh means that I, I i get free rentals from this place and so uh i managed to snatch up some things uh that i've been wanting to see for a while and some of the things that i just kind of look, looked curious you know looked good to me uh one of those was mccabe and mrs miller um we've been talking about robert altman a little bit on this podcast you know and uh, that was one I've heard a lot about, and I absolutely loved it. Thought it was fantastic. I still think I maybe preferred Long Goodbye a little bit, but we talked to this a little in my in the Discord. Crazy, just muffled, mumbled, jumbled audio, and no, yeah. uh, no fucking subtitles on the Criterion DVD, which is insane to me that Criterion wouldn't it's, have it's that. It's the way it's intended, baby. Um, you know, when I mean, you see it in the theater, there were plenty of times I was like, I, I can't tell what they're saying. Yeah. But when you need to know... You do hear it. I think so, yeah. But for the most part, I, I mentioned that I was having a lot of trouble in particular hearing anything Mrs. Miller was saying. Where I was like, she's a titular character, and this is a one-on-one -on -one dialogue scene, and I feel like I should be understanding what she's telling him right now. 
<laughs> was it the accent, Greg? Was that was that a big part. Was? That was a big part of it, 100%. Um, so anyway, it, it is playing out here. Uh, thankfully, Quentin Tarantino screening it at the Vista Theater uh, in a few weeks at the end of the month. So like, I will get another chance to watch it again. And I'm very excited to watch it again. Um, like knowing the whole story. It's it's uh, I, I forgot it was Warren Beatty so much throughout the movie. Like it was such a good fucking performance that I was just like, mm-hmm. that's Mc, that's McCabe. Like that's that's who that is. I, I couldn't see Warren Beatty under all the hair and the hat and everything, you know. Um, like he was, he was excellent. He was, he was under that incredible. coat. Yeah. All of the guys that they hire to come in to like, you know, after he doesn't sell the place, like all of those, those guys were fucking awesome. Like the kid. And then like, you got like the kind of like darker skinned sort of mysterious guy. And then like the big burly bearded guy, like they, mm-hmm. they were absolutely amazing. Um, uh, I really like character actor Michael Murphy. Dude, yes, one, him just too. Like, yeah. with the with the seal jacket. Yeah, his dyna- his dynamic with the guy they bring into like the other guy from the company. Like they have a fantastic dynamic. Like just I don't know the way everyone spoke was so interesting to me. Like just the casualness of the language. It didn't feel like actors like thinking, oh, I have to be an eighteen hundreds like frontiersman. It just felt like very casual, real dialogue that just i don't know for some reason really stood out to me too like yeah i loved it i thought it was awesome yeah it's also it feels like one of the most more authentic western movies where this is kind of how it actually would be there's no flash in the pan for the like the movies it feels real lived in the 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 only sort of like it it, it's weird because it's it's i feel like it's realistic but it's also a little stylized but the violence what little there is it's oh, like yeah. really, it really stands out, um, which I, I thought was like really, a really amazing choice. Like you see somebody's like hand get shot off at some point and it's, it's such a brief shot, but it's like, it's so shocking, you know, or when like when the prostitute stabs that guy in the chest and it's like that, like brief <laughs> geyser of blood. It's like, yeah, that feels real, but it also feels like stylized, like in such like a, you know, such a quiet kind of slow paced movie. Not even that slow-paced, really, I guess, but, like, um, you know, kind of, like, a patient movie is what I would call it, I suppose. Sure, I yeah. think that's the best word for it, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that was great. I also rented a hard ticket to Hawaii, uh, <laughs> kind of on the complete opposite spectrum of McCabe and Mrs. Miller. You know, like, just kind of a shitty 80s action movie with some really stupid dialogue and bazookas and explosions and... Yeah, so... Is this the one with, like two female cops yes. going to hawaii or is, okay yeah they're like they're like federal agents of some sort it's one of those movies where like it feels like a, like a predecessor or something like sharknado where it's very clear they knew they were making a piece of shit and they were trying to be silly with it leaning into yeah, it yeah sure. so it's not my favorite type of like bad movie but it, it you know it, it had some fun stuff i feel like they talked about this on best of the worst at some point so yeah I, I've seen the plot done. It gets yeah. like yeah, it gets like lumped in with things like Samurai Cop, but like Samurai Cop to me is trying to be more genuine and therefore it's more enjoyable. But um, yeah, in the video game front, I also uh, finally beat Baldur's Gate three, and I'm not even joking. The second it kicked me back to the main menu, I hit new game. Uh, I just had to get back into it, man. It's that good. Is it a so, new game plus, or you just you start fresh? Start fresh, new character uh, with a different like background, and it, that really changes like your options during the game. So like, it, it feels it feels really fresh, even though it's you know same story and stuff. Yeah, no new game plus exactly, but yeah, yeah. But really I'll, good time. I'll say briefly. Great. I've been, I played 
probably too much power washer simulator <laughs> and uh i finally loaded the uh avatar frontiers of pandora so tonight i will be getting in i've heard that to was my navi self hell yeah. yeah man you're gonna you're gonna finally transition uh yeah <laughs> tsunami next time you see me i'll be blue <laughs> hey no like you've always been blue it's always been who you are you know mm-hmm. um you're just finally have the means to live that life yeah uh, all right, let's talk about the Boxer's Omen because it's. I feel like we're going to be talking <sighs> oh about this for a hot minute. There's a lot to discuss. Like I mentioned, directed by uh, Kwai Chi Hung. He directed um, a shitload of movies. And you look into the IMDb profiles of anyone related to the Chinese film industry, they've all directed 80 plus movies and starred in 100 plus movies. It's like everybody out there like made their own films acted in them like directed them it's it's pretty remarkable um it seems like the kind of hollywood thing now of like you have to start the new movie before the this one comes out kind of so you're just you're always making a movie you never stop making movies yeah i'm exaggerating a little bit because like he's got 40 movies 39 movies on his his resume apparently um, for yeah, got, actor or director? For director, he's only acted I mean, in three things, so he's actually kind of like a, a fucking lot. It's a lot of movies. Uh, but I only has act- Scorsese done forty <laughs> movies. That's a good question. How many has Scorsese done? I would say like twenty plus, right? It gotta be like feature films, not counting. I mean, we can count documentaries, but not you know music videos, other shorts like that. Wait, let me tell you, he's got seventy three directing credits on IMDb at least. So, I'm sure some of those are commercials or, or, you know, something brief I wouldn't really count. Yes. There's apparently a Gangs of New York TV series that's in pre-production right now. What? And it looks like he might be directing a pilot. Yeah. Anyway. That's probably a lot of things, too, because he directed, like, Like Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Vinyl. Yeah. So, anyway, um... A lot of the features on the, the on the Blu-ray for this were really focused just on the career of uh, Kuei Chi Hung. And it seems like he seemed to be a very, like, a little bit bitter about where he ended up in his career. So he did direct a good handful of horror movies for Shaw Brothers. Um, obviously, Shaw Brothers is mostly known for, for martial arts films, but they, they, you know, did all sorts of genres. Um, he's done movies like Corpse Mania, uh, which I have to see just based on that title. Um, Hex. He did, he did two Hex movies, I believe. Um, movies like Spirit of the Raped, which that one I don't know if I can stomach just based on the title. Whoa. Yeah, right? <laughs> he also did a movie called Bewitched only two years before this that supposedly this is a sequel to, but from all I've read, it has no actual plot, plot relation. It really just kind of is the same sort of deal of like eventually a Buddhist monk has to fight a wizard. Um, so like Argento, where he keeps doing bit, that, yeah. like, yeah, those have a little more connective tissue than these scenes. I guess too. that's true. The, the witches are there, yeah, the yeah. sisters. But the scene in the airport, apparently, that's very similar to the end of Bewitched, which is why people think that this is a sequel. If that makes okay. sense. So it, it could okay. be like an Evil Dead Two type of thing where he's kind of retconning the first movie in a way, but it's not exactly clear. So. uh I, I learned it from from this uh, from the Blu-ray features that eventually Kuei Chi Hung retired from filmmaking. Uh, he made one more movie after the Boxer's Omen, and then he he retired. 
after Shaw Brothers, the studio kind of shut down in 1985. They stopped making feature films and went to TV. Uh, he moved to California with his wife and opened a pizza shop. And that's how he ended. Nice. That's how he ended his his days because he died in 1999. But um, yeah, pretty pretty remarkable, a remarkable sounding guy. Like I said, he seemed kind of bitter about ending up in kind of like the the horror genre. He wanted to direct other things, but his movies like made money and were interesting, and so Shaw Brothers kept giving him horror movies to direct. Uh, but he he just kind of mentions it's like yeah, it's all just gimmicks. I just do gimmicks because the audiences are dumb and they like to see gimmicks. That's kind of what he like said about his horror movies. <laughs> but I'm like, hey man, I, you know, if these they are your, these really are changed. I was like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thirty five I mean, years. I can't yeah. say you're wrong, but if these are the gimmicks, I mean, yeah, give me these gimmicks. These are yeah, <laughs> these this are wild. <laughs> pretty fantastical. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine I've seen something else that is like really going for it like this movie does like one of the things i wanted to talk about specifically with this is how magic is represented on the screen yeah and we've had some differing you know um views on it especially this month but this stuff is unlike anything i've ever seen i mean nowadays it's gotten so bad to where i think harry potter kind of really dumbed it all down yeah. Where they're just flicking their wands and different color sparks are heading out. And it's so as boring. As they say, whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, but this is, like, like rituals, incantations. You've got weird bat skeletons walking yeah. around. And you have to do really bizarre things to make it all work. Like, you have to dance in a circle sprinkling chicken blood on, on things, you know? like You eat something, throw it up eat it again, throw yeah. it up, and eat it again, and now you're at full power. You rub a bunch of pudding That's on your neck takes. and then stab needles into it. Like, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I remember on that exact that exact point, I was so frustrated when I watched Doctor Strange, the, the first one, because I was really mm-hmm. excited for it. Because when you if you read, like, a 70s, like, Doctor Strange comic, they kind of feel like this. They feel like some weird, bizarre, whacked-out bullshit, you know, where it's like Doctor Strange does have to, like, find these three relics and like put them together and like do these crazy things to summon an eyeball monster that then grants him some power to defeat you know some demon like it does feel like this a little bit and then you watch dr strange the movie and it's exactly how he described harry potter he does circles with his hands and then like sparks fly out and it's like okay yeah you have like 20 seconds of him like falling through like you know a uh what's the thing from uh from evolver the uh kaleidoscope like, you have, like, oh, 20 sure. seconds of Doctor Strange falling through a kaleidoscope, but it's, like, it's nowhere near as interesting as, like, as this at all, something like this. You know, this is, like, this is, has more going on in one frame than all of, you know, both Doctor Strange movies put together. Like, uh... I love that yeah. your reference for kaleidoscope will forever be entwined <laughs> with Evolver. Oh, yeah, that's just, that's gonna be how I remember what, I remember it, yeah. Yeah, Weapon? you know, that thing yeah. that's in Evolver, and, like, you're talking to someone who's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, the famous scene in Evolver, where he shoots a laser through a kaleidoscope to create a laser prison for the mom and sister, yeah. Uh, <laughs> everyone knows it. Um, but yeah, no, I, you're totally correct. Like, this is also what I was kind of talking about. This is kind of similar to, like, when I talked about Spine of Spine Night goes into this a little bit, right? Because you got the bloom and you got to, like, crush it together and use it to fire. And you got the spells and rituals there. But this goes even way further than that. Like, you know, it, it is a really You're interesting You're praying view. to dark lords. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got these, like, giant effigies of a demon that you have to, like, 
appease and things like that. Uh, well, and on the other hand, it's like whether or not you lie to Buddha is whether he'll grant you special yeah. powers. Oh yeah, if you <laughs> look, having sex is actually fine if you lie about it. Is where Buddha gets that, gets angry. That's what I was about to ask. Like, do you think it would have been okay if you'd be like, you know what? You, that's what you it seems me. like. Because that's what the guy says is that like, hey, lying to Buddha is a great sin. It's not about. I think. You know, it, it's kind of, I don't know. Keeping I, your vows. Yeah. So when I watched this, uh, I watched it twice. Watched it once taking notes, and then I watched it again with commentary that was on the Blu-ray by Critic. <laughs> you watched it twice, I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm off of that these days, honestly. It remains to be seen if I'll be ever going back to it regularly, which is a, you know, oh well. Uh, but yeah, so I watched it with commentary by Travis Crawford, which is included on the Blu-ray. Um, it was fine. It was a lot of just like, history of uh horror movies out of the shop of the studio which is interesting but it's like no i want you to talk specifically like why is what is with the, the deal with like the army of crocodile skulls why does a guy is there any kind of you know basis in mythology and i will say i think this i think they're gators i don't know it's a good question yeah i have to look at what they actually are but um i can never tell them apart i don't know I can't remember, but the crocodiles yeah. have the more like pointed, okay, uh, into the face, and alligators have the like curved. You have to like switch what it says. Like C on their face is an alligator. Crocodile makes the shape of an A. Okay, <laughs> I'll never remember That's how this. I remember it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the gate. Let's say the gators. Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll, I'll I'll trust you on this. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of just like. You know, again, biography of the director and then like, oh, and these are the other horror movies that Shaw Brothers did. But I'm like, now nah, I want you to talk about like about the Buddhism aspect of this. And like if any of this is like at all a reference to real beliefs or anything like that, you know, and he didn't really offer up any of that stuff except for like at one point he's like, ah, I think this is pretty exaggerated. And I'm like, well, yeah, but like talk to the talk about it or something. I, I this is a mini rant. I'll go on that I don't know if anyone else really relates to or anything, but, like, I took a Chinese cinema class in college, too, and it was taught by, like, one of the whitest professors possible. And he was a pretty knowledgeable guy, and he had lived in Hong Kong for some time, and, like, you know, uh, I was obviously knew a lot of what he was talking about. But you still, I still want, like, I feel like any discussion I see of Hong Kong cinema or, like, martial arts films or anything, like, the, it's all, like genre enthusiasts mostly like white genre enthusiasts and i want like an actual like <laughs> like chinese or hong kong person to actually walk me through the historical or sure. like cultural significance cultural aspect yeah of it right uh because like and even in like in, in the commentary he's referencing other like works that people have written about this movie and he's like yeah check out the works by grady hendrix or simon abramson and i'm like those don't sound like hong kong names to me man like I mean, I'm sure they've written great stuff, but it's like, I also just want, like, an authentic cultural perspective on these things, you know? Um, it, it's, it's just a little frustration that, of mine that, like, I have when it comes to these... The, the, the Shaw Scope Collection's great, but it's like, all the perspective is from, like, white critics who, you know, right. obviously adore these movies, I, but, yeah. I guess I maybe they're the ones taking it as... I don't want to say more seriously, but maybe as, a, like, a, a critical aspect of... Yeah. 
cinema versus just like yeah, yeah. we made them let's move on this, they this, like they don't care right. as much about them this isn't saying i don't appreciate these guys' perspective these guys perspective on these things because they have they're very interesting they're good writers they're good whatever but it's you know i also just want a little more i guess is what i'm saying um because for me it's right. like it's I, like it's someone from from china like giving some real cultural aspects of yeah. Smokey and the bandit right. like they really <laughs> get into like our version of cinema yeah. And we're like, whatever. Yeah. Fucking Burt Reynolds. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, that, that's a great comparison. I, I I would love to hear a Chinese person's perspective of Smoking the Bandit, actually. That sounds pretty interesting. Um, another thing, too, the director is credited uh, with the effects work. So all the amazing effects work. Amazing and sometimes not so amazing in terms of, like, the puppets. But also that's the charm of it. Um, the fact that he right. did it all himself is super cool. The Chinese title just translates to magic or demon slash evil spirit. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, the director was an atheist, which also makes this kind of interesting. Uh, he, uh, the, the comment, I'm not going to talk about the commentary too much because like I said, it didn't really offer that much interesting insight into stuff. But uh, he compared the use of Buddhism in this to the use of Catholicism to fight vampires. And I was like, you know what? That's actually like a pretty good comparison. You think of all the weird things that we have with vampire hunting, the ritual, you know, the the crosses, right. the garlic, they can't enter until, you know, they're mm. allowed, whatever. And like, yeah, that's not too far off from like, from what's going on here, right? The crazy rules in place, you know? We like, watched um, Dracula 2000 with the Discord uh, not yeah. too long ago, like within the past week. And there's a part where, uh, I mean, so many People are in that. Christopher Plummer. Um, wow. I didn't know that. Danny Masterson. <laughs> oh, um, no. Uh, Seven of Nine. I can't think of her name right now. I, I don't know but, what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, Omar Epps is in it, and he gets turned into a vampire. Johnny Lee Miller, another one. Mm, but man. Omar Epps is turned into a vampire, and he's attacking somebody. And that guy, it might have been Johnny Lee Miller, like, grabs a cross, and then Omar Epps is like, I'm an atheist. And then he like just like hits a button and a knife comes out of the cross and like stabs him. Oh my god. Uh, I love that. In the book I Am Legend, the character does a whole experiment where he like he has a neighbor who's a vampire now who's Jewish. And he shows him the cross. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, the guy just laughs at it and he shows him the Torah and the guy like freaks out. So like I I I love that aspect, yeah. Uh the director's son also produced the Meg, by the way. Um, Ooh, okay. So, yeah, those are Chinese based, right? Still in the yeah, still in the family business, which is uh, which is neat. Um, so yeah, uh, now we can talk about <laughs> the movie itself. Uh, did you expect after first like the first ten minutes are a completely different genre of movie, which I really love. I love how it makes that switch. Uh, somewhat. I mean, I I saw the poster, so I was like, well, something's got to go down. I also wanted to say that I uh, looked it up. This has played at the Hollywood Theater. Nice. So yeah. next time it goes, I, I might go see it again. This would be I, amazing um, in the theater, yeah. Yeah, I, I had to watch a YouTube version that was 480p. Oh. So, I yeah, it wasn't the greatest. But as I discovered later, there is another more high-definition version. But that one cuts out all the nudity. So I am glad I watched the, you know, pristine version <laughs> on YouTube. You know, I always love seeing nipples on YouTube. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, you know, we start, as I expected, I mean, Boxer's Omen, 
We're going to have some kickboxing. Yeah. My first question out of the gate, do you think you could take a kick to the face? No. Are you kidding me? I would fucking fold like a house of cards immediately. Like, geez. I, I did do some, um, what do you call it? When I was a kid, I took, I took karate classes, Kenpo karate. Okay, yeah, same. And sometimes you would catch a stray hit when you were, like, doing practice or whatever, you know? And I was the, the, the biggest fucking wimp. Are you kidding me? Like, I can't handle pain at all. Um, <laughs> it's not how it is in the movies. Exactly, yeah. No, I can I could never do anything like this. Uh, it's really fun. I think the, the filmmaking is really, really great. Um, some good editing in here. There's a really cool, like, um, fucking spinning jump kick to the face that Bubo catches. Uh, that is, <laughs> is that the like, one that like splits his head? Yes. Anytime they That's get, great. anytime they get hit, their body like just like it turns into a geyser of sweat and blood. Um, it's kind of cool. Uh, there's also a great like rotating one shot at one point. The camera is just like circling them as they're like trading blows. Um, Bubo seems to be knocked out, but then he jumps up and punches who we find out is the brother of a main character, Chan Wing. He punches Chan Wing in the back of the head and paralyzes him. Um, Fucking million-dollar babies him right out the gate. Yeah, exactly. We pivot right from, like, a boxing movie (laughs) to a gangster movie where... I feel like a lot of directors saw this movie and and drew from it. Like, you got Clint Eastwood. Yeah. We'll get into much more later on. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I could see this actually being very influential for, like genre enthusiast directors that saw this in vhs in like the late 80s early 90s you know yeah um because that's the only way it was available for a long time like it never got any kind of release in the united states uh and like a lot of these shaw brothers movies it's not to the past couple of years that even in china they started like looking at these again like they were oh, wow you know they came out when they did they well, played in theaters and then they kind of just got completely ignored for 20 plus years yeah i mean that goes back to the cultural aspect of like the historians like they they weren't really valuing it as yeah. much as some weird white kid who found a VHS tape <laughs> and just like played it till it stopped working. Yeah, that's exactly 100%. Because it's not, it's because it's unlike anything he's ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the other thing, too, is like they really saturated the market for their own movies. Like they had like, as a studio, they produced over like 400 plus movies within like 15 years. Like they had like, over like a dozen releases a year at some at some point and then they just wow they just cranked them out super super fast and so it's like as soon as you finish watching the boxer's omen three more shoppers movies are already in theaters like it's you know it's kind of nuts um it's like new line cinemas <laughs> yeah exactly uh yeah so we go to like a like a like a gangster movie brilliant lighting in the restaurant it's all red and then the aquarium is like that kind of like really kind of it's like a pale green that really stands out in the background. Uncle Seven uh, is like mob boss. It seems like you know it tells him about a deal going down. Uh, he's one a.m. One a.m. They're meeting a mainlander. Don't bring any guys, but of course he arranges to bring guys anyway. When he gets there, all of his guys have been captured and killed, and Uncle Seven's body gets dropped in front of him in burlap sack. Um, it seems pretty bad for him. He they start basically like uh, giving him swirlies, you know, like water torture. They String him upside down and start dunking him to a bucket. But of course, a fucking like golden vision of a Buddhist monk appears, blows all these guys away, like literally blows them away with wind. It's it's kind of awesome. And he basically tells them, he just starts saying his name, John Hong. Uh, he doesn't really know what's going on. He just goes home and has very aggressive sex with his big breasted girlfriend. 
<laughs> his apartment is so sick though like it's it's like, pretty cool yeah yeah high up on a it's like a penthouse and like really amazing view of hong kong like you know the kind of like cool Miami Vice kind of lighting when he's in there, you know? Well, that makes me think, I also wanted to say, at this 1 a.m. meeting, he wears sunglasses, because he's a yeah. cool guy. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. He is a very cool guy. So again, we got a, we got Michael Mann. Well, Miami Vice made us started right before this. Yeah, yeah. I think he's doing music videos at that point, though, right? Maybe. Was he doing music videos? Maybe. Anyway. But, um, he's doing some TV, I think. But, uh, yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> The the whole girlfriend thing, that, that is one of the most notable features of this movie. It's so brief, like the nudity and stuff in it, but it's very memorable because they linger on it for a long time. Um, and the sounds. And so the sounds, So I started yeah. watching it. Brittany was like, I'm checking out. I'm going to take a nap. And when those sounds start, she's like opening up her like, you know, the, the what do you call it? The nightshade thing yeah. that you put on your eyes. Like, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, what, you, what are you started watching? With all the crazy stuff in this movie, one of the most memorable things is this shot of her. I mean, this is going to sound so bad, but it's true because you never see anything like this. You don't see it too often. But uh, they pull an MC Hammer. They put him on the glass. She presses her boobs right up to the glass, and they just kind of like linger on her nipples. Greg, if you're not seeing it too often, I can I can share some videos with you. <laughs> Some I, some I, really I just, nice um short documentaries oh, that I okay. like to, to okay. watch. Yeah. Oh interesting. All right. Yeah, I'll I'll take note. Um <laughs> I'll see if I can rent them from my uh my video store thing. You'll have to take notes with one hand, but I, I, I did that for all of this movie, so not a big deal, you know. Um But yeah, so <laughs> when he's in bed, a flying golden arch just appears above him in his sleep. And starts making this, like, bell noise. He decides to get up and follow it to the closet, where the monk appears again, and says, I want to talk to you. Uh, I love that it just says something that simple. Um, he goes to the hospital to visit his brother. Chan Wing also says, I want to talk to you. But it, uh, he demands vengeance. He says, get that Thai boxer that got me. So he takes a trip to Thailand where even though Boo Bo did not win the match because he made an illegal move and punched and paralyzed his opponent. Uh, I kind of love this. In the back it, of the head. It feels very like, you know, Democratic Republic of North yes. Korea. Like even oh, if yeah. they lost, they're like, well, the judge was obviously biased against yes. him. So no, this we're claiming victory. I will say too, yeah. something notable about this compared to a lot of other Shaw Brothers movies, like uh, it's very, it was very, Shaw Brothers movies was more like you think of them more like a, you know how they were mass producing westerns in like the 50s? You oh, know? sure. So you got your one western set on the Universal lot and you use it to shoot like 60 productions in a year. That's kind of exactly how Shaw Brothers was, where you have your very standard sets. Like, oh, this is our palace set. This is our country set. And it is really a soundstage with like, you know, backdrops and matte paintings and stuff like that. Not very common for them to shoot almost all on location for this. There are some soundstage stuff during the magic duels. But other than that, this yeah. is all on location photography, which is which is really great to look at. Like, um, really beautiful shots of Thailand and later Nepal and, uh, you know, um, and Hong Kong. Like, just, uh, yeah, so pretty notable for that, actually. Um, so they're doing this big ceremony, giving uh, Bubo a medal. And he fucking shows up, and it's like a, they cut a wrestling promo. Like, in three months, you're going down in Hong Kong. Yeah. Like, 
uh, brother. It's, yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, we find out that Chon Wing was also known as Fierce Tiger, as well as his like fighting name. Uh, yeah, the 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 line I got in some tales: "In three months, I'll kill you in Hong Kong." <laughs> he's on a boat in a canal. I guess going to the airport or something. He's leaving Thailand, or he's just boating around. I don't know. He sees the top of a temple glowing just like the the arch in his in his apartment, and he's just like, "All right, pull the boat over. I'm going in." Uh, he goes in, and well, the monks... I, I do the same when I see those golden arches on I, the highway. Exactly, hey, I gotta start pulling over. <laughs> Need me a quarter pounder. You, you could re-edit this into a McDonald's commercial pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the monks... <laughs> it definitely unsettles my stomach like McDonald's sometimes. <laughs> Oh, those guys like eating all the the trays of food, but it's like it's Big Macs and and fish fillets and yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> he he opens the box, takes the Big Mac out, and then starts eating the box. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that oh my god. Um, the the monks are expecting him. They say, uh, "Hey, you know, you finally come. Uh, let me tell you why we kind of wanted you to come here." And we get. One of the greatest flashbacks to me in film history. It goes it's on for good. like 15 minutes. Um, and man, it just keeps going and going. I, I just want to, I want to cut of this where you keep cutting back to the monk telling the story. I, I want to see how the monk is explaining this. You know what I mean? Like what words does the monk choose? Like does the monk. And Chan it, Hung's just like getting bored, more bored yeah. and bored. He's like picking grass or whatever. But it is the monk saying like, and then his skin started to turn into bubbles and he like transformed into an old man. Like what exactly is the monk saying to describe this stuff? Anyway. So the abbot, uh, he went on a, on a journey to defeat a black magic practitioner named Makuso. I love that we never get any kind of sense of what Makuso is doing to deserve this. It's just like, hey, you do black magic, we're going to fucking throw a mirror in your forehead and tr- and make your skin bubble up and melt off of you. Like, yeah, it seems. Com- I mean, it's got to be doing something against their code. I, yeah, I, I, just, I guess I, so. It's the terminology that they used in my subtitles, at least was black magician. Yeah. And I was like, why are you going to get racial like that? <laughs> then, oh, OK, that makes sense. If yeah, he was a white just- magician, this all would have been. Yeah, exactly. He would have gone off scot-free. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he throws me some like mirror on his forehead. His skin starts melting and bubbling. Like huge balloons start popping up all over his face. It looks awesome. Uh, he uh, turns into an old man that then like dies, and then a little bat like flies like flies out of his mouth. I guess this is his true form. I guess he's like actually a little bat, sure, a little demon bat. Yeah, I don't know. The abbot catches it. He. Uh, takes it back to the temple where he hammers a dagger into its heart. Um, the Pretty bat dope. puppet is both adorable and very cheesy. Like, it's so cute. I love the little bat. Yeah. Um, it starts bleeding like crazy. This causes a, a statue, in a, a bat statue in a room with a giant devil to start bleeding and then crumble into a bat skeleton. The black uh, Makuso's master is like, Oh shit, you're being a- killed by a monk. I'm gonna help you. He bites into a rat <laughs> that he has in a jar, spits the blood onto the bat skeleton, which then stands revive! up. Revive! 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 My favorite shot of this movie, maybe. That's saying a lot because, like, there's so many great shots. I love the little waddling bat skeleton. Like, Skelebat? Yeah. The, I both, love it. both the one 
in the uh, in the monk's temple and in the wizard's temple. Both of them are standing up, and he's just like, "Go, go, come on, <laughs> run, get out of there." The dialogue from all the magicians, all the wizards, is so funny. It's all just like so basic, like and so kind of like you know, like I don't know. There's something about their word choice where he's not saying things like flee or fly. It's like, no, come on, come on, move, move, go, go, go. It's like, it's so just casual. I don't know. Um. <laughs> I wonder if that's translation or just... I, I don't know. I get I get the sense that the wizards are supposed to be very comedic. Um, and so I, right. think, I think it is intentionally written to be a little like, you know, I don't know. It's simplistic. Like, simplistic. It's yeah. like underplaying what's happening almost in a way that's very funny. Uh so yeah, the the monk sees the bat skeleton fleeing. He's like, "We're having none of this shit." He starts smashing it with a hammer. Uh, <laughs> the the wizard swears vengeance, and he starts playing a flute to summon a bunch of snakes. The snakes come in. He extracts their venom, and then summons a bunch of little fuzzy spiders by saying, "Come out, my minions!" These little cute little fuzzy spiders have little straws, and they suck up a delicious looking poison, like. It kind of looks like the green milk you get at Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland. Uh, uh, yeah, is this the part where he also uses... So he, like, gets the venom, and then there's a head in a jar. Yeah, oh my god, this is so cool. That he pulls out, that is yeah. great. He rips, um, like, the skull off and there's the brain inside. Yeah. And then he puts the venom in, mixes it together, and I think that's what he pours out. And then, yeah, it's like, they come out, and are they... They're, they're like, the inchworms, and then they turn into spiders? Yeah. Is that yeah. what happens? Yeah, like kind of big tarantulas with straws, which uh, is adorable as it's well. So cute. Yes. Uh, he sneaks into the temple. He recoils in horror at the Buddha statue. But then he manages to get into the abbot's room. He crawls up the wall and ceiling. He lowers the uh, spiders This is where down. I'm pretty sure Danny Boyle watched this before making train spotting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought about that too. I also thought about the scene in. Um, you only live twice. The James Bond movie where the ninjas drop the poison down to try to kill Bond. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. kills it kills the woman next to him instead. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he lowers the spiders down. The spiders don't just bite him with the poison; they stab him in the eyes with golden need golden poison needles, which is fucking hardcore. Um. The, the needles kill him. He dies, but he's such a powerful monk with such great. What do they call it? Um. They say he has great cultivation. That's it. He's got mm. such powerful cultivation. He's managed to keep his spirit alive, but his mummified body has been has been remit, uh, placed in an earthen jar. Uh, they're gonna break it open. If he hasn't decomposed, then they'll explain more to Hung. Uh, Hung is prophesied to help the Abbot get revenge, and so he can attain his true form. This right. is all because He's also yeah. so close to getting immortality. Yes, exactly. Uh, this is all. This all is happening, and Hung is involved because in a past life, Hung and the Abbot were brothers. Where they were twins, and that means that their spirits are entangled. And if the Abbot dies, then then Hung will also die, uh, which is incredible. I love this. I also think too. There's and again, the commentary didn't go into any of this. It didn't offer any kind of analysis of this movie in any way. A lot of this you would think is kind of hard to analyze because again, it, it seems like so. I don't want to say random, but it is so kooky and so out there that, like, it's, you know, hard to get a handle on what you're seeing sometimes. Um, but to me, it seems pretty obvious that this is, like, a story of a guy grappling with his brother's paralysis 
and like the nature of getting revenge in a way, you know? So you got his actual brother being paralyzed in a fight, right? With a Thai boxer compared to a monk that got involved in a magic fight with the Thai magician and also got as in a sense paralyzed, right? And they were mm-hmm. twins in a past life. And it's up to this guy to go out and seek revenge, right? And it's about the personal hangups that he has while doing this. The biggest of being, he's got this vice for women, for his girlfriend. And this is a distraction in his life that causes him to lose his ability to actually seek revenge. You know? And the final opponent he faces is a woman. is like a demonic woman. So I think this is saying something about... Yes. I think this is saying something about... You know... I don't know, the path to, like, righteousness being paved with with evil vices like women. I don't know. Apparently, uh, the end of this movie and some some releases of it, there is, like, a weird anti-sex PSA that they put on the screen at the end of, like, yeah. um, Well, that recontextualizes everything. Yeah, there's, there's like, an alternate ending on the the Blu-ray that talks about this and a little bit. I don't remember exactly what it said, but, like, I don't know if the director like in- intended for that to be the message, or if that was just included because like a weird, you know, I don't know, uh, Chinese like uh, <laughs> like censorship laws or something. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, he... we still got magical battles to get through. Yes. So they smash him in the jar, and you got this cool looking mummy inside of it who does come He's to got life. Light from his hands. I think yeah. like that's so good that it's like shining up on his face. Oh yeah. Uh. Essentially, yeah, he basically tells him, you have to become a monk and get revenge for me. Uh, if, and again, if you don't, you also, anything that happens to me, it happens to you. Helping me is helping yourself. You're going to die unless you do this. So he books a flight back to Hong Kong in English. Um, I thought there was, there's really weird sporadic moments in here where you hear a lot of English dialogue. At, at night in his very blue hotel room, he vomits an eel into the sink and it honks at him. This is fucking fantastic. Like, I love the little cute, again, the cute little eel puppet looking going, ar, ar, ar. like, it's <laughs> it's nasty shit. Um, this convinces him he has to do it. So he's, of course, worried about not being able to have sex. You know, he's like, how humiliating, how pathetic, whatever, when he kind of talks about it. But he agrees. There's a big parade as he gets taken to the temple to be, to finish his to do his monk training. You got people in animal costumes dancing around, cross dressing or trans people also you know hanging around in Thailand. Like uh, it's it's quite the scene. Once again, shot on location and it looks pretty awesome. Uh, there's some really fantastic shots where he's like walking across like out in like the country almost. It looks like you know and like the sun setting. And there's a nice silhouette, you know, as he's going out to do his monk training. He goes into the river where he's attacked by leeches. Uh, it's a pretty brief Made little me think montage. Of, uh, do you think Neil McDonough could have oh, done 100%, that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Screaming in the river. Just, ah! Like, <laughs> yeah. Leeches all over his body. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of his little monk training uh, is where he is placed inside of a giant jar with characters written on the outside of it. All the monks are stationed at different points around it on what looks like a giant, like, I forget the name of that symbol is, but it does contain the swastika within it, you know, which was like a, you know... 
right a Taoist symbol at some or not Taoist but like a Tibetan symbol right before they've it got all really got like red yarn leading yes. to Chan Hung but their hands all start glowing this glow like then makes its way up the the ropes to uh the jar which the the characters on it start glowing they go to the inside they appear on the inside of the jar and then they all move their way up onto Chan Hung's body. It is one of the coolest fucking visuals in any fucking movie I've ever seen. It's it's so incredible. And Does it make all... sense? No. Does it look <laughs> cool? Yes. That's what matters, though. They're all doing that really kind of like hypnotic chant, too, that I can't even attempt to replicate because it seems insensitive to do so. But that chant just really kind of like worked its way into my subconscious. Just like, yeah, they you hear it so much in this movie and like it really stuck with me. But, um, that's them giving him the power to go fight the demon, I guess. Um, they break the jar open, pour oil over him, right? He says, no, I have not killed anybody. I have not gambled. I'm not coveting anything. And no, I have not had sex. Uh, they're like, all right, now go eliminate the demon. Smash cut. You're in a demon fight. Like, it's <laughs> it's fucking great. They're in a black, like, void space. This is, like, the sound it space is really I was cool. talking about. Yeah. yeah. And, again, the attitude of the fucking demon or wizard is so funny like um he's like he kills a chicken sprays blood over a bunch of crocodile skulls that summon bats to attack hung and the entire time he's doing this like they're not moving fast enough for him so he's like hurry hurry up come on you're taking your time go 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 he's not moving do it come on like that's his commands to his like it is, army of minions you know a nice comparison from chan hung being so like stoic. patient and quiet yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, stoic, and then, you know, the black demon being erratic and chaotic, trying to, you know, hasten things when yes. I'm not understanding that it is the slower pace. The turtle wins the race. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Hey, I love that. Exactly. So the bats fly at him, uh, but he summons the jar, the energy jar, and the Texan skin appears. It's it's fucking incredible. And they, they explode in the fire when they touch the jar. So then the croc skulls themselves get reanimated and start chomping at them. They look like you never play Donkey Kong Country. You know, you got the little like chomping. Oh, yeah. Kremlin yeah. enemies coming at you. It's exactly what it looks like. Um, the crocs get they he sticks Buddha statues in their mouths and they run away. And then, of course, the wizard's like, hey, what are you doing? Come. No, don't go. Like uh, there's a really great yellow gold color scheme on his side versus kind of like the blue color scheme on the other side of the room. Um, it, it looks so good. He does this thing now and then too. He did it a little earlier when like the monk appeared in this kind of like astral form or whatever. But like it's that kind of like prismy colored lights he does. Like it's like oh sure, he shines right. it right into the camera. You see multiple versions of whatever you're looking at, like but in different colors. Like he does that a lot during this fight too. The wizard, all in purple makeup, he eats a bunch of guts and then pukes a bit up. He summons a bunch of like i called it pepto bismol and boba out of a jar he like bubbles and oozes up right oh um, right this is his secret weapon yes and that from there a disembodied head like rises. alien head yeah yeah and it like it's also making very adorable sounds it's like ah, ah, like it's guys if you've not if anyone out there listening has not seen boxer's omen just even if you only have access to that YouTube version Murph mentioned, like it's so worth it. It's so worth it. You gotta have to see this to believe it. Um, 
I, I can't. I mean, I, look, I also understand why the commentary I watched was just talking about other movies. Because, like, what do you what do you say about this? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, you it, can only it describe is hard. It. Like, it's it's a continual thing. Like, he tops him. You know, he beats him. It yeah. Eventually realizes I have to remove my own head to get the upper hand. Yeah. And so, and does that. Like and I'm assuming like the little disembodied head was like maybe a previous version of him. Right, something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um but it doesn't it eventually doesn't work out. Good prevails over evil. Yeah, the sun comes up, it seems like. Uh he uses the power of the sun to disintegrate the head and destroy the demon. He's like, all right, job well done. I've killed the demon. I have uh, allowed the monk to attain his true form and immortality. I'm going back to Hong Kong. His girlfriend is showering. Uh, have some sex. Uh, I, Dude, she's... Okay, look. This movie absolutely does not pass a Bechdel test, as people would say. There's no. one woman, and she's just there for him to fuck in his apartment. There's two women. Oh, two Yeah, right. I'm sorry. There's... Yes. Yeah, yeah, But they yeah. never interact. Yeah. But she's like, other one's you've been in Thailand demon. for yeah. so long. Uh, you must have slept with a lot of girls. You better not give me any STDs. Uh, my translation was, don't transmit any diseases to me or I'll cut your balls off, is what she says. <laughs> yeah. um, and his response was, I was a monk for three months. And she's just like, okay. And she's also not even reacting to the fact that he's bald now. We forgot, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. he does shave all his hair. He looks great bald, actually. That um, means I need to shave my head. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's three other magicians who are the other students of the wizard that he just killed. Oh, I, sorry, I needed to go back just one second, because on my version, when he's, like, eating his own throw-up, like, after that and before he does his own head thing, the subtitles just drop out. So, like, I'm just like, what are you, I don't even know what's happening here. Uh, I I, I can't tell exactly, I didn't write down exactly what he says during any of that, unfortunately. Um, so he's got other students that swear revenge. They burn his body. It explodes into a fireball where his ghost is like, yeah, get revenge, please. Um, they take a, there's like a, a pool they have underneath their little hut where they just have a bunch of bodies floating in there. They pull mm-hmm. one out, they cut its wrappings and it's just like a pile of goop inside. Um, we see a bunch of like extended shots of just of just gators like at a gator farm just like doing yeah. their thing two of them are fucking right that's what's going on i think like, so yeah <laughs> it's a uh, it's pretty fun and it's kind of just fascinating like i really like just like you take a pause and you just watch gators do it live in their lives like it's kind of awesome and then <laughs> one of the wizards comes out with a machete and starts like it's so harrowing seeing the actor just like slap it around like the machete like on its face like he's trying to fence with it yes yeah and it's like biting at him and whipping around like i was like damn this is like this is pretty hardcore uh they take the body they kill it they butcher it with the machete they smash open its giant eggs and like baby baby gators like swim away you don't need that at all but yeah yeah Yeah. I, i think it's on the soundtrack around here did you catch the weird soundbite that they pulled from a different movie. There were some things that I was like, I know I've heard this before, but I cannot like recall where it's from. This is one where when I first watched this, I was like, wait a minute, is that what that was? And then when I read, there's a little booklet that comes with the, the Shoskub collection that writes about each of the movies a little bit, but they confirm this. I think it's around the time they're butchering the, the, the gator. 
they play a clip of the tall man from Phantasm saying boy. Oh, okay. And you just Interesting. hear like, boy on the soundtrack. It's really strange. But Mine were just the, more like the sound design aspects yeah. of it. Yeah, in the booklet, it confirms that they pulled a clip from Phantasm and put that in there. It also wow, reads so it would have been like... Four years earlier, so yeah, yeah it makes sense. No, the Shaw Brothers were like, I, I don't, I mean, they just like, I guess movies would come to Hong Kong and they would just like use any piece of those soundtracks for their own movies. So a lot of the Hong Kong like action movies have like spaghetti western soundtrack songs, so it's like spliced in there. And uh, yeah, uh, we all know there's some dicey copyright agreements with China, all right. Well, I, all over there, I mean, look, the United States is, I think. They, we are the most draconian about copyright, I think. I think around the rest of the world, especially in the 60s and 70s and 80s, nobody else in, in other parts of the world gave a shit. It's like, I was just talking about this last night with some, with, uh, with my brother. We, for, for some reason, we're talking about, um, like, European cowboys and how much Europe loves cowboy stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's like, obviously, you got spaghetti westerns, right? Like, the Italians are like, hey, we love these movies. Let's make our own crazy, bloody versions of them. But something like Django with Franco Nero, there's like a hundred plus unofficial Django movies because like Germany decided we love Django. So any Western that gets released in Germany, we're going to change the title to Django does blank or Django Django's blank or cry Django cry and stuff like that. Okay. And we're going to redub it to be Django now. And then it's like, any Western we do make is going to be a Django movie. We're going to name a character Django. And it's like, there's a hundred plus unofficial Django movies out there. There's only one real sequel to Django that was it's, made like 15 years later. But yeah. It's like us with James Bond. Like, we'll just make yeah. a, James, a new James Bond. Let's just get a new James Bond. That's fine. Yeah, well, it's just a new James Bond. And, and you say us, but that's also Britain doing that. So, you know. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I do want to say that they, so they bury... Or they, like, put the guy's body in the gator and yeah. sew it up. And this is actually how it's written in my will for when I pass away. You ought to be sewed into a gator and transformed into a yeah. woman? Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it sounds pretty good to me, too. Yeah, it sounds like you're actually making use of the corpse as opposed to, like, just burying it in the... You know, it's not doing anything buried in a casket. Right. Yeah. Right. I imagine I'm going to look much like Sheetar from Blood Diner. <laughs> So great. You look fantastic. You almost spit coffee at your <laughs> I, I did. I did. That was close. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the same time, as they're doing this, you can juxtapose it with the, the monks who are chanting around the abbot's mummified body, putting gold squares on it. Uh, we smash cut to Hung, uh, Chan Hung fighting Bubo again. Um, they do a great. I love the little pre-fight rituals. And them dancing around to the music, like, and then they kind of like, oh yeah, him they, doing they, the hand thing. They go up next to each other, and they're both doing that thing. I love that stuff. Um, that that's really was, cool. I I felt like that was him being monkish, and then the Baobo was like in you know kind of mocking him. I don't know. Did I, think I read it, that wrong? No, I think it's a I think it's a traditional Thai boxing. Okay. Thing. Because okay. the, my only other, my only reason for thinking that is they're one of my favorite martial arts and favorite movies period ever is called um, Master of the Flying Guillotine, which is a, a great martial arts film. And in that, there's a Thai character who does like these little flute dances before each fight. 
So I think it's a I think it's a tie thing. Uh, okay, but I'm not entirely certain. It could be what you described. So uh, they have a fight, and Bubo is still breaking a bunch of rules and still, you know, getting getting hung pretty good. But you know, eventually Hung starts getting the upper hand. Um, <laughs> the uh, wizards, Bam. yeah, he the, gets blinded. The wizards res- manage to resurrect. Manage to resurrect. I think is what happened because they they resurrect their master as a demonic woman, right? That's what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, so they lead her over, and they're just like, "Go fly, kill him, go get him, go go, come on." That's what they're chanting as they're doing all this. <laughs> this is where they are eating a bunch of rotten food covered in maggots and shit. They're eating banana peels. They take a actual live chicken on camera, right? I'm not. I'm not crazy this is what they do it's a real chicken that i they mean it like. was 480p i can't i can't say i saw anything that like in detail they seem to me in the version because the version i watched the shoscope collection version is gorgeous it's a beautiful restoration um they seem to to make sure you know it's a live chicken they put it down on the table they cut a piece of the, the live chicken's flesh off and immediately stick it into their mouths that's that's what i saw they chew it up with a bunch of other shit. They're spitting it out, and, and the other person picks it up and starts chewing their chewed up, gross, rotten food. Um, Salmonella straight from the source. Yeah, exactly, man. None for, you can't get any fresher than that. Uh, but yeah, eventually they smear all this over the woman. Um, they put it into her mouth, as well as long blades into her fingernails. Uh, when she gets up, they show her a picture of Chan Hung, and they're like, go kill him! She stabs his eyes with needles, which blinds him mid-fight. Yeah. Um, he still manages to win the fight, even while blinded. Pretty awesome. Which, at this point, you know, while he's blind, I kind of wish that we had seen Carl Weathers and Burgess Meredith. Uh, dude, all right, Both of them Weathers. rest in peace, just yeah. kind of like, there in their corner. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, that was so Come good. Come on, Hung! He's <laughs> Get him, Hung! Ah! Yeah. Hung, you can't see it. You bum! Yeah. He has to to have Mick cut his eyes. He can't see. Yeah. You know? Um, uh, God damn it. That would have been awesome. Uh, He grabs Bupo's foot and fucking kicks him out of the ring. He smashes the table, which is awesome. Uh, In the dressing room, everything turns red and he looks into the mirror, sees maggots crawling out of his eyes. This is like an ultimately just a hallucination, but he's, of course, freaked out. He goes back to the temple uh, they're like, uh, yeah, the you know the magicians are getting revenge. You have to kill another demon. Uh, let's get you ready. We're gonna increase your power. Um, he lies about having violated the tenets. He says he has not had sex. So they go out to the countryside to pray to Buddha. Then they go to a temple where there's a tree growing out of a Buddha's eye. This is this stuff's really cool. Gorgeous, um, like amazing set. Looks really fun. Yeah. This is, there is a little bit in the commentary about, like, the nature of, like, the perception of Thailand, and this is kind of, like, the equivalent to me would be, like, we, you know, someone someone in the U.S. going to New Orleans to learn about ancient voodoo practices. It's a little bit, like, you know, there's this part of our country that still has, like, this kind of mystic aura about it, and apparently to Hong Kong and mainland China... That is Thailand a little bit. Like, their version of Buddhism is much more rooted in mysticism. It's their angel heart. Yes. That's exactly what this is. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
so uh, where's the nose guard <laughs> so yeah i i like that aspect of it the, you know to, to a china to a chinese or hong kong audience this is like oh we're exploring this kind of like ancient you know mystic side of our own culture sort of a thing um so yeah there's a thousand year old mushroom inside the eye and the tree growing out of it uh they rub some honey on it to to lure out the fluid as they say this will keep his uh make the, once it enters his bloodstream it's going to make him invincible but once mm-hmm. he re- once he receives a harsh blow it'll come out of his eye <laughs> Uh, essence of iron, and I think you can just get this in supplement form now. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go through all of that. You get to any honey, fucking Trader Joe's mushroom. and go to right, supplement yeah. section. Yeah, exactly. Well, they, I mean, they have it as Trader Jongs. <laughs> <laughs> nice pull. That, that was that's very good. Yeah, Trader Jongs thousand year old mushroom supplements. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. God, this is so funny. They sit them down and they put on a they light a bunch of candles for each tenant. And they're like going through each room. He's like, "Nope, no, no." Did you have sex? <laughs> like super dramatic music staying. The it's look of so terror. On, the look of terror on his face. Like, oh shit. The zoomed in face. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. And the candle goes out, and they're like, "Motherfucker, how could you light a Buddha?" It's like, man, you got to keep your dick in your robe. Come on, dude. Like, it's a grave sin to confront the Buddha. You have no powers now. That's it. You're fucking cooked. He gets super mad. He's like, fuck you guys. You put this on me. I thought I was done. So, of course, I went. And the first thing I did was fuck my girlfriend. Like, let me talk to the boss. Um, he, like, bursts <laughs> his way. I want to see your manager. Yeah, exactly. He bursts his way into the uh, the room with Ching Chu, the abbot. And he tells him, hey, your only hope, go to Nepal. There's a relic that contains my powers from a past life when I studied tantric Buddhism. Uh, lots of travelogue footage of Nepal. Looks great. You see a lot of... It's technically Katmandu, Katmandu is what yes. he says. Right. Which, you know, they're big Bob Seger fans. <laughs> He's They're jamming out to it as they go, yeah. It's a great moment. Katmandu! Uh, speaking of James Bond, there's a scene that made me think that was very Bondy to me where he's on the plane and then it like kind of zooms in behind him and there's like a ring, like a skull ring on a finger, like tapping, right. you know, like following right. him, which we learn later is the woman. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all this really cool travel footage, though, um, you see a lot of like engravings on the side of buildings and people having sex and fucking, which is really cool, which is really <laughs> funny. Uh, there's an English tour going on in the temple. He's just kind of hanging out in it. Um, essentially, they're explaining, like, you know, this is a very important holy site. Uh, there is the golden ashes, whatever, only appear during certain times, right, in the palm of the Buddha's hand. Um, Sunrise, because of the mirrors basic yeah. down. A lot and of great... Like, Why isn't there anything protecting it? And apparently, yeah. it's a supernatural security system no theft has ever taken place. Yeah. This sounds like a job for Danny Ocean. <laughs> or our team of robots we established in Evol- in into the Evolver episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what are those statues if not ancient robots? You know? We can throw them in the mix, too. Yeah. Much like the Golden Army in uh-huh. Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy 2, <laughs> the Golden Army. <laughs> Ah, God damn it. I'm going to keep I didn't that. do it earlier, so I wanted yeah. to lure you into a false sense of security. <laughs> you got me again. God damn it. 
uh, really gnarly scene in his hotel room. He slices his forearm open. Um, really great work here. It's like a fake arm, obviously, with like his head at the top of it, right? And then like his real hand, like coming from under the table or something. But he like slices his arm open, pours the teeny bit of mushroom juice he has into it, and then sews it up. Uh, a golden dot starts moving around his body. He goes into the temple to get the golden ashes. The statues come to life. They have a great voice. They're like, intruder! And they start like throwing weapons at him. <laughs> I love um, how he opens the gate and he sees the movie. He's like, oh, I'm going to yeah. close this again. I love the close-up of it. It's like, a, it's like a lion head or something that turns towards him and right. like, talks. Yeah. Uh, they throw like, <laughs> they throw these, these glowing weapons at him. Uh, he just tanks it with the power of the mushroom. He defeats them. I love like the many armed statue like <laughs> wriggling around the ground after he knocks it down. Like that's very very funny. The woman appears. She flies into the room. Really cool shot of like her ro- you know her robes like trailing behind her as she descends down. Um, she's cackling like a maniac. Uh, she flies in and shoots skeleton hands at him. <laughs> they start attacking him. She puts a black sheet down where a giant crocodile comes out. Amazing prop, this thing, too. Uh, it's chasing him around. It bites his ass at some point, and he starts, like, bleeding from the butthole, it looks like. Um, it gets, like, head, its head stuck between a pillar and, a, and like, a gate or something. Uh, <laughs> she drops a bunch of fuzzy bugs. It, yeah. yeah, the bugs crawl around on him. One goes in his ear, and he starts screaming. She also, like, has his head between her thighs, and she's just, like, oh, dancing she's around. She's getting crushed. Yeah. And she has, like, worms on her crotch that then yeah. fall down onto him. Those are the ones that crawl into his, his ear and nose, yeah. But then the sun rises, and two sunbeams shoot out of the eyes on the wall, and they illuminate the relic in the Buddha statue's hand. The mushroom dot launches out of its eye and makes the relic explode. So much going on here, man. Ugh. The guy that appears on that chair, I'm assuming this is the past version of of the Abbot, right? I, that's what I gathered, yeah. Hung starts meditating as lasers fly out, and, like, the fucking, like, seat that the guy is on, like, dr- goes down across the lasers. I, I guess to, like, c- combine with Hung, he kind of just vanishes for a second. Um, they become one. The woman just thinks this is hilarious. She just laughs her ass off and starts, like, dancing around even more. Um, <laughs> Chu is, like, sitting there ringing his bell thing. Not Chu, but, like, the... Yeah, I guess I guess Chu, the, the abbot. Um, she tries to wrap a shawl around his head. He just doesn't have any reaction to this, right? Um, but then his hands become electric. And... Uh, <laughs> His hands become electric, and he just rips her fucking skin off. Like, in one go, he grabs her face, and, like, just all of her skin ripped off of her body. It's so fucking awesome. It's pretty awesome. dumb. Yeah. Uh, she starts disintegrating from the inside and, like, pisses a bunch of blue fluid all over the floor. <laughs> Which, again, I am sorry to say, looked delicious. It looked kind of like, I don't know, thick and fruity. You know, like some kind of tropical drink or something. Now we know what you're into. I guess so, yeah. I never would have known it, not for the Boxer's Omen, so. Uh, three bagged things, like, they're in, like, saran wrap, are, like, wriggling around inside of her guts. This turns out to be the three magicians wrapped up like mummies. They get up, 
and they're like, all right, we're finishing this. Like we're, you know, we're going to finally kill you. They all stab them. One stabs himself in the gut. The other cuts his hand. The other two cut their hands, pour their blood all over the dead one. And that makes three like, like uh, Cyclops Brontosauruses. Eyeball chicken dinosaur babies. Yes, that's really good. Eyeball chicken dinosaur babies. They start walking out all slowly. They are also very adorable. They start making their way towards the monk. They start shooting lightning at the Buddha eyes, which does blind the abbot slash ancestor slash hung. And the entire temple starts starts collapsing. However, he uses his bell to make a different statue throw some weird devices at the dinosaurs, the baby dinosaur chickens. They explode, and I guess that finishes everything. Um, yeah, yeah. Back, they're back in Thailand suddenly, and Chu is like sitting in front of the uh, Hung is sitting in front of, in front of Chu. The golden needles come out of his eyes, which even though there's like triumphant music playing, that is one of the most horrifying things I've ever seen. Is like the golden needles coming out of his fucking closed eyelids. Like that is that is hardcore. Um, his eyes open. And uh, Chu's eyes open under the under like the gold he's been wrapped in, and he attains his final form, I guess. And then the other monks just kind of come in and they start chanting. <laughs> the end. That's oh, it, man. No, I love that they're, as they're chanting, Chan Hung's just like, "All right, I'm gonna leave." Just walks yeah. out, probably the back end. to Hong yeah. Kong to fuck his girlfriend again. Yeah, I hope so. He deserves it after all that, man. Yeah, boy, look. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen the movie, you're not going to be able to visualize any what I've just, anything I've, I've seen. You're not going to believe hour. what we just talked about, right? You have to yeah. see it for yourself. And I'm really curious to watch uh, Bewitched, the director's other movie. I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. Um, I'll probably have to look to to not to not so legal sources to attain it. Um, but that one, as far as I can tell, has not had any kind of restoration or re-release or anything. But I want yeah. to see all this guy's movies now, all 40-plus movies that he's directed. Uh, Corpse Mania, especially. Corpse Mania sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah, it does. Yeah. But uh, th- that's it, man. And I don't know what we can rate this out of other than, what did you call them? Baby Dinosaur Chickens? Eyeball Chicken Dinosaur Babies. I- eyeball Chicken Dinosaur Babies. I was also going to say Boobies on Windows. <laughs> But that's all all I had written down. But I I think uh, you know eyeball chicken dinosaur babies is yeah is perfect. Um yeah I'm gonna go first as the host. The first time I watched this because this is I I've seen it three times now. Um first time I watched it I think I was a little just too baffled to really like take a lot of it in. Um also I I learned about this movie from a friend of mine, uh, pinball friend actually the same person I talked about a few weeks ago that is the robot chicken animator. Uh, okay. Who does listen occasionally? So hello out there. Oh. Thank you for bringing this movie out. Uh, br- bringing this movie to me, I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we initially bonded because he was wearing a Shaw Brothers shirt at a pinball event, and I was just like, "Hey, you like Shaw Brothers?" And we started talking, and then uh, he recommended this movie to me, and it was brilliant. So, um, freaks of a feather. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so when I yeah when I initially watched, it, I think I was just too kind of like what is going on here to really appreciate a lot of it. <laughs> but then watching it again and again, um, I, I've really come t- to have a fondness for this movie. Uh, it's such a great vibe throughout most of it. You know, like 
it also I think it's also paced fairly well where um it's a little br- and you know, like the like the wizard scenes are a lot of, like you mentioned like the wizard tries something he trumps it the wizard tries something he trumps it but when you're what you're seeing is so wild you're just enjoying the process of it so much like you I, I love seeing the weird ways they have to do the weird things they have to do to summon these in- insane creatures and then it's always just like all right and what the fuck is this thing going to look like when it come when it rises out of this corpse or whatever like it's just such a great build up to some really good payoff just kind of over and over you know like really fun rituals for fun results and i do think there is a little bit of a of a decent story in here about a guy feeling some kind of pressure put on him by his brother's paralysis right like there is something in there of like you have to get revenge but that revenge comes at a cost of course and it's just like a cyclical thing you know what i mean like his brother gets paralyzed he gets revenge he gets revenge against bubo someone else gets revenge against him for getting revenge against bubo and so on and so forth but it's just on a spiritual level you know what i mean it's like like i don't know there's, there's just something there i don't think it's like insanely deep or anything but it's not just craziness for craziness sake like there's a little bit of a point to it it's also mm-hmm. a fun exploration of just like Buddhist mysticism. And again, I would really love to know if any of this has a basis in any actual like Buddhist belief. If anybody out there has any idea, please contact us. Because like I, I am so curious. I'm going to have to do some deep research on tantric Buddhism, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really enjoy Talk this. Talk to Sting. Yes. <laughs> I... Uh... <laughs> I, I really enjoy this movie. I gotta go like four point five eyeball chicken dinosaur babies. Like I, I just have such a good time with it. I could see myself watching this a lot more. Um, there's a class of movie I was kind of just talking about with like hard to get to Hawaii. Those kind of Gonzo movies that are like you know crazy, have wild special effects, little to no like narrative coherence. But this is like a step beyond all of those. And though it has a kind of like a foot in that camp, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, like it, there's a, a lot of competence here. I think all the performances are very committed. All the humor is is pretty good, and it's like I said, it it's kind of really great at undercutting the craziness that's going on. And then, like, I think just like visually, it this is like almost unbeatable in terms of like you know magic and and mysticism and wizardry. It's like this is as crazy and unbelievable as you can kind of get with that stuff so yeah i i really i really love this movie uh yeah how about you murph maybe i definitely think i i can watch this again it's something that was very enjoyable but like you said on a first viewing i'm kind of like what the hell is this what is going on i do like that there is kind of like an emotional crux to the movie about revenge um Maybe, you know, kind of going back to Death Stranding, it would be an interesting pairing this with Only God Forgives. Oh, the yes. The Winding Refn movie. I've, I've seen, that, is I've also seen like that, that connect, that, uh, that comparison pairing. more than once in other yeah. places. Yeah. You know, about revenge, about mysticism, about people in, in the Far East country. So, um, I, I have that Blu-ray. I should just rewatch it. It's been, it's been a long time. I have the Blu-ray. I've um, never watched it. <laughs> it, I think this is a very impressive, if not continuously confusing movie. Yeah. And it's not even that there's, 
like the plot is is very hard to follow like you said it is just um revenge against this guy oh now revenge against me um but i guess it's the the concepts of the magic which i do kind of also like is that they do, there's no logical understanding yeah. of what's going on but also the way that they are presenting this magic is so fantastical that it that is really captivating to a sense like i i really have not seen anything like this in in this kind of thing i mean i guess maybe i you know i haven't watched a lot of chinese cinema yeah but i i feel like even though you're the one kind of the expert here you're like yeah this is kind of out there no it's it's crazy Um, even by their standards i'm like dude i mean that's the thing about like hong kong cinema and chinese cinema in, in general i suppose but like yeah, they they are just they sometimes just operate on a level that is like so beyond us in terms of like yeah what is going on. Especially a lot of later Shaw Brothers like like martial arts movies, they really um there's a Chinese concept of like heroic bloodshed that they get very into. It's a very like hyper masculine hmm. sort of thing, right? Of like dying for your cause, you know? And okay. um continuing to fight even after you've been like horrendously maimed. They start really incorporating that a lot into their movies as they go on. There's a director named Chang Che, who's probably the most well-known um, Shaw Brothers director. But like, he really gets in the idea of people taking mortal blows during fights and continuing to fight. So it's like you'll see things like guys get spears rammed through their entire body. And they continue a battle for an extra 10 to 15 minutes. Just with a giant bloody spear hanging out of them, like you just, you just they, got that adrenaline, man. Yeah, they love this stuff. Um, like guys get shot full of arrows and just like they won't die until the fight is done. You know what I mean? Like they finish the yeah. fight and then they fall over dead because it's like they use their cultivation or whatever they use the word they use in here to like keep their body going even through all the pain and 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 stuff. Like so, yeah. I mean, again, they just have lots of like. As Shopper the movies goes on, there's a lot of guys getting their balls stabbed and things like that. Like, there's a lot of genital mutilation that happens in in all of these fights. Like, uh, I just watched one not that long ago called um, "Kid of the Golden Arm," where a guy named Silver Spear gets his own spear rammed into his crotch and he dies. Like, it's it's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, what a way to go. Yeah. Um, I but I do think this is a pretty technically marvelous. Like again, all of the effects that they're doing, the camera work. I get some really tra- uh, transcending sound design throughout, yeah. and there's so many things I'm like, they stole this from something, I have no idea what it is, but it, it just, it resonates with me on some other level. Um, really enjoyable. I If they play this again at Hollywood Theater, I'm probably going to check it out, just because it would be it would be better on a big screen with some people... And not at 480p. And I'm sure they're going to have the booby edition. So Oh, for sure. Yeah. 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 And they'll um, probably be playing I'm, like I'm the 4K g- restoration that's available now. Yeah. So Pro- Probably. Yeah. yeah. If not 35 millimeter. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go 3.2 eyeball chicken dinosaur babies. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Um, because it, get, it gets more digestible as you're watching. It's kind of like the guy's vomiting the food out and chewing it up again. It's just, right. It gets, it gets more to, digestible. Doing yeah. it to become to my full power, I get yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I was very happy to finally bring a Sharp this movie to the podcast. And uh, I'm very excited for you to tell us what we're watching next week. All right. We are going to continue. Magic is in the air with 
uh, two returning champions leading the pack here. We are going to be talking from 1989, Warlock, yeah. starring Mr. Returning Champion Julian Sons, mm-hmm. as well as returning champion Richard E. Grant. Can't wait, man. Yeah, and is, is uh, directed one. by Steve Miner, which we've briefly talked about because he did um, like the the two and three of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and yeah, house. there were some other he did, movies he did the first we talked house. about. That that's what it was, yeah, yeah, because we talked House Three, yeah, right. Um, I've never seen this. Oh boy, man, you're in for a treat. I love Steve Miner. Uh, to me, he's kind of an undervalued director. Um, you know, like like everybody, he's you know he's got some some better and worse movies, but like Warlock to me is one of his more fun ones. Uh, so yeah, I'm very excited for you to for to see this. This yeah, is good. I'm I'm looking forward to it. So until that next time, uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe anywhere you get this podcast. We have email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com, both Threads and Instagram at weeklymassacre. You are G Anderson nineteen on Letterbox. I am Murph and Turf. So please hit us up. Let us know if you are about to achieve immortality before <laughs> listening to this episode. And we stopped. Uh, if you have if you have tarantulas that drink through straws, or if you understood this movie, I I really need to hear from you if that's the case. I mean, genuinely, I so. I genuinely put that call out there. If any of this makes sense to you, like if you know anything about Buddhism. And any of this is like, oh, yeah, this is a thing from this and that. Please tell us. This is an impassioned plea. I'm so curious. <laughs> and as always, I was a monk for three months. <laughs> Don't transmit any diseases in me. It'll cut your balls off. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.